It's that time again, Our Town Live, where friends, family, people you know, share with us their unique bits of wisdom. And now, here's Herb, your host, for another show. Our guest today is Sean Sturgis. His story started in the summer of 2004, when Sean entered into his new life. He had just graduated from high school, turned 18, and was experiencing a puzzling sudden decline in vision. Before summer's end, his world turned black, literally black. The loss of his vision quickly resulted in a battle with depression, which often separated him from the rest of the world. After about a year of isolation, Sturgis felt that the time to move on with his life was important for recovery. Shortly after that decision, he began to see out healthy ways to cope with depression. So he found himself once again involved with martial arts, which he loved. He also entered into college where he would later obtain multiple bachelor's degrees in business administration. What he learned was the discipline, perseverance, determination, and belief in one's own abilities that are needed to find success, which he later took to rock climbing. Sean Sturgis. In the summer of 2004, you entered a new life. Tell us about that. Yes. So 2004 is when I completely lost my sight. About a couple years prior to that, I started uh, wanting contacts instead of wearing glasses. So I had went to my local optometrist to start the process of getting contacts, and they found out that I basically had next to no vision in my left eye and they didn't really know the cause of the vision loss that I was experiencing and I didn't notice it until they brought it to my attention because I felt like my right eye was compensating for it so much and I was playing baseball at the time so I didn't really you know let it bother me too much so then you know over the next couple of years I continued to go to specialists around Florida and to Emory in Atlanta, to Nancy Newman, who is a specialist there, and no one could really diagnose what I had, and no one knew why my eyesight kept diminishing. And then, you know, after I graduated in high school in 2004, that's when I went from having any sight that I had to completely blind. And from that point on, it was just transitioning into how do I live and this whole new life that I've been thrust into, and I didn't really know. I couldn't answer that. It was just, you know, going with the flow and learning how to live as a blind man. Obviously, you were very active in baseball, you told me, football, martial arts. How have these yeah. activities affected you as far as possibly depression or whatever? What was your mental state? For me, right when I lost my sight and, you know, athletics was stripped from me, I got severely depressed. And, you know, it was the mixture of not being able to live a normal life, not being able to play baseball anymore or football, not, you know, being able to be quote unquote normal. And so as soon as I lost my sight completely, I entered into like a severe state of depression. What I mean severe was that I basically stayed to myself. I locked myself in my room and didn't want anything to do with 
my family or the rest of the world. I was just full of hatred and no one could really help me out of the funk that I was in. Eventually, my parents helped me through finding a therapist and I went to therapy for a while and I had started going to rehab for uh, my vision loss, basically learning how to use technology and using my long white cane to get around, learning daily skills such as cooking and cleaning and, you know, how to do all these skills that we learn from a younger age with sight to adapting them without sight. And, but during that whole time, I was just, you know, severely depressed because no one wants to live with a disability. I mean, so many of us have disabilities, you know, inside the disability community, and we learn to adapt to them, but it's, it's a hard life. It's not easy. And it took me a while to actually learn how to adapt and, you know, overcome it and not let my blindness define who I am. You told me that for about a year you lived a life of isolation. What did you do during that period? For for most of it, I, you know, just laid there. I, I you know, watched TV, tried to find ways to entertain myself, um, you know, for a lot of it, I wallowed, I wallowed in my own sorrows and felt sorry for myself. My parents did buy me a guitar, and I had started learning to play guitar, which I found to be very therapeutic. It, it gave me a sense of, you know, um, I guess a way to put myself into something that was productive instead of being you know, unproductive and focusing on my blindness when my parents bought me a guitar. It gave me a way to not only find another way of, an, like, an outlet for therapeutic reasons, but it gave me something else to focus on than my blindness. So that early, you know, that first year is when I start, I, I guess, started coming out of depression because of, you know, music and eventually finding a reason to live and, and go on. But yeah, for that first year, it was basically, you know, no social life, nothing, because I felt that no one could understand what I was going through, that I was going through this alone. And even though others have been there before, others have lost their sight, others have been there to help those that have lost their sight, but no one in my circle, my close family and friends could understand what I was going through through so the way that I did it so I didn't have to listen to people would shut myself out. Was there one day, time, period, person that you had an epiphany and said, I have to change things? Yes, it it was I'd say about a year between about a year, year and a half of my isolationism that I came to a point of realizing that I didn't want to live this way forever. I wanted to still go out and experience life and travel and live on my own and, you know, just not be stuck in my own little world that I was in. And despite knowing how hard it was going to be, it was the fact that, you know, I wanted to go to college. I had all these goals and ambitions before I lost my sight that I wanted to still have them. And I thought to myself, you know, there's no reason why I can't move forward. There's no reason why I can't still live a productive life. And so it, it basically it basically took me getting to rock bottom to really find that 
I didn't want to live this way anymore. And it was almost like a light switch was flipped in my own mind saying, you know, after a certain point of being isolated, because I was never isolated, you know, growing up, I was always around friends and family and doing different activities and traveling. And I wanted that again. And it was just the point of deciding, you know, I can either let this situation define me and define the rest of my life, or I can define my own life despite my disability and not let my blindness be the the determining factor of me finding happiness. And so it was about a year and a half year or so when I finally decided to not let my blindness rule me. Today, what's a typical day in your life? Well, today I actually work as a clinical coordinator for a company called Wellington Counseling Group here in Chicago and I basically work with new clients finding you know they're they're coming to see therapists and clinicians to help their own needs and find their own ways to overcome their issues and so I started this job about a year well about five months ago now and it I do that every day. I'm on the phone. I'm talking to clients, and it really makes me feel happy that I can impart my experiences and really understand what someone's going through and service their needs to fit them with a clinician that's going to help them with their needs. Besides that, I mean, that's my work life. That's my professional life. I uh, also enjoy rock and ice climbing, so I do a lot of traveling for that, but I'm usually working out or you know, going to a climbing gym and, and climbing in adaptive climbing groups. So, I mean, that's a typical day. I mean, my days vary. Usually I'm out traveling around, taking public transit on my own, whether it's the bus system or the train system here in Chicago, you know, going to local restaurants and meeting up with friends. It's living a normal life. It's living a life that I wanted despite my blindness and, you know, still traveling and getting around. I'd say that's basically like a typical day i mean an extraordinary day would be like all my ice climbing trips or my rock climbing trips when i you know jump on a plane and meet people in different parts of the country and then we just you know go on weekend trips to go climbing the first time you delved into rock climbing were you scared what was it like for you uh yes it it was so to go back, before I lost my sight, I went on a lot of family vacations to national parks around the country, and I always remember seeing people climbing on the on the rock faces in the different parks that we went to, and I'm, like, thinking to myself, these people are nuts. Like, who in their right mind would want to actually feel like climbing on these rocks? I just thought it was crazy. But it, it took me, you know, losing my sight and realizing that, life is full of experiences and you shouldn't let something that makes you afraid be the determining factor to not wanting to try it. So, you know, fast forward all these years now that I had actually met a girl through an adaptive organization here in Chicago. When I moved here, it was like a support group that I was in for people with vision loss. And she was actually involved with adaptive rock climbing at one of our local climbing gyms. And she had told me about it and said, you know, you should give it a try. And at first I was like, eh, I don't know if I really want to get 
into climbing because I knew how it was. But then I kind of remembered, you know, thinking to myself, like, why not try something new and live life? And so I had tried it and I'd met up with the adaptive climbing group, which was out of Brooklyn Boulders here in Chicago. And then I got involved with them and started climbing with them basically every week for a few years. And I kind of fell in love with it. It it was something that I'd never tried before, but then I got to the point where it was a way that I could find athletics again, a way to find myself, if that makes sense, because of being athletic myself when I was younger, it made it a way that I could still find exercise and find adventure and find joy and happiness. And so the fear that climbing brings was completely different because I kind of jumped into it and went into the unknown and I fell in love with it. How it's old, been a part of my life ever since. How old were you when you first became blind? So I started losing my sight when I was 15, but I completely went blind at the age of 18. And 18, if you know, is like the point in someone's life when they're an adult and they get to go and experience life and be on their own and figure out who they are. And so at that you know, age of 18, adulthood, it was, it was really hard for me, but, you know, I lost my sight when I was 18 and that was even, you know, a big reason for my depression because everything was stripped away from me. But yeah, it was, it was 18 when I completely lost my sight. How old are you now? (laughs) I am 33 at the moment. So I, I'll turn 34 this summer and that's when I tend to mark my year my next year of my new life. And so I always consider that I've had two lives. I've had my life before my sight and my life after my sight. And so I haven't quite lived, you know, half my life without my sight, but every summer is when I really, you know, consider my, you know, birthday, not only like my true birthday where I'll be 34 this year, but, you know, another birth into my new year as a blind man. What is Excuse me. What is the main advice you would give people who are new to a disability? The one thing that I would really like advise people is to take it in strides. When you first have a disability and you're first thrust into this new world, it's it's daunting. It's overwhelming. It's all consuming. It's full of depression it's not joyful there's no happiness in it but what i can say is that there is a light at the end of the tunnel as long as you're willing to put the work in i mean that goes for anything in life but especially for someone with a disability that you shouldn't let your disability define you because it's a part of you and it'll always be a part of you but it shouldn't stop you from living the life that you want that you need and that you deserve And so I always tell people to keep fighting and don't give up. The easy thing to do is to give up. The hard thing is to continue to fight and keep moving forward no matter what the odds are in front of you. Now that you've been dealing with your disability, what are your current weaknesses? I would say, you know, one of my weaknesses, even though as much as my, that I've, you know, overcome my blindness and my disability, it is still a big weakness in in my eyes because I fight to get people to treat me normally, to 
show that, you know, my disability doesn't define what I can and can't do. There's always creative ways to overcome it. But it's a weakness that I see because others let it define me. Others have this preconceived notion that I can't do something because I'm blind. And so that's a constant struggle and a constant fight. And that's and I see that as a weakness because I continue to fight and get people to know that. But I'll consider it a strength once I can, you know, really break that barrier to show that no matter what my disability is, people can still see me as a normal person. I mean, despite that, I mean, weaknesses come every day with being blind it's it's sometimes finding the help that i need despite my blindness because there's things that i obviously can't do and so that you know that's a that's a big weakness that i still strive strive to find ways to overcome i mean sometimes i still feel that emotions are still part of my big weakness too because i have overcome so much but there are days that i get you know, depressed still. There's things that still affect me because of my blindness, because our world isn't made for someone who's blind. And so I still find days when I get depressed sometimes, but I'm able to get out of that much quicker because of the stuff that I do. I mean, other than that, I mean, all, all the weaknesses that I've had, I found ways to overcome and find strength in them as well, because our weaknesses, sometimes if we work on our weaknesses, we can turn them into strengths. And that's kind of what I've tried to do to show people that just because my blindness is a weakness, it's not really a weakness. I find ways to be creative and problem solving and being, you know, happy and healthy and finding ways to share my triumphs with other people. And so I always try to find ways that I'm weakened to make them into strengths. Has there been or is there a person in your life who's made the biggest difference in your mental attitude? I would I would say yes. There's been a few people, but I would say my brother is probably one of the, the biggest um, supporters of me. He, we're identical twins, and he's he's got the same condition I do, but he is only, you know, blind in his left eye with a little bit of blindness in his right eye. But, you know, he continues to live his life much in the same way that I am. I mean, he's in school to get his MBA right now and he's gotten married and he's in the process of having a family and, and living life. And even though he struggles, he continues to go on. And so even though I lost my sight before him, He's been there to support me in some of my times when I haven't had employment, when I didn't really have a, a place to live. When Before I moved to Chicago, I was in Nashville. Nashville didn't really work out, so I had moved to Chicago, and he gave me a place to stay while I was getting all my feet here in Chicago and finding employment. And so my brother has been a big support to me and has continued to help me, and I think he'll always continue to help me because he is, at least he's the closest one to me and my family that knows what I'm going through because he's not total for his blindness, but he has limitations as well. So we're able to confide in each other and, you know, pick each other up when we're down. And so he's been instrumental in, you know, keeping me sane some days when I'm not feeling so happy. What 
what has been your greatest success, not emotionally, but physically? I would say physically, probably climbing. I've I've done some, you know, pretty cool things. And as far as climbing, I've been ice climbing in New Hampshire and I've been ice climbing in the upper peninsula of Michigan and ice climbing in Colorado and, and rock climbing is just as many places. I, I feel that that climbing itself, even though I've been in so many different places, the climbing has probably been my most physical success since not only since I lost my sight, but my entire life because climbing is you know it's it's pretty physical and there's a lot that goes into it but to know you know being on the ground to you know three or four hundred feet in the air you know up on the side of a rock I mean it's pretty physical there's a lot of physicality that goes into it and so I would say out of that whole thing I would I would probably put my first climb in El Dorado Canyon in Colorado. It was on a, a route called the Bomb, and it was on the Wind Tower, and it was the first time that I was probably about a little over 200 feet in the air, and it was at the same time that I did my first self-repelling, repelling without any assistance. And, I mean, all that's pretty, you know, physical. And, you know, I would say that's a, that's the success because it taught me to overcome a lot of fear. What are you most proud of over the last 15 years? Employment. As sad as that is sometimes, employment is what I'm most proud of. It, I've, I've struggled since I, I have, you know, a few bachelor's degrees and I have done a lot with education, thinking that all that would help me, you know, find gainful employment and for me, being blind is one of the hardest things that I struggled with, and a lot of people that have disabilities struggle with it. And so to finally find a company that believes in me, even though it's taken me a long time, that that's my true success because I've always wanted to be employed. I've always wanted to be a productive member of society. I wanted to, you know, get off of, you know, disability income and and everything. And I had fought so long to find gainful employment and someone to take me seriously. And that's a big accomplishment because it's not only an accomplishment for me finding the employment that I have been seeking since I graduated college, but it's a step forward in our society, knowing that if one person took a chance on me, then I know that there will be other companies other people that take chances on other people with disabilities especially those that are blind because the unemployment in the blind community is about 70 percent it's 70 percent being underemployed hmm. or not employed at all and so that's a that's a tremendous success of for me fighting so long to find a job i mean i've done so much i've done climbing i've done skydiving i've done public speaking all those are fantastic things, but nothing has made me more proud and more motivated despite some of my blindness and, you know, finding a job, finding someone 
to, to believe in me despite my blindness. What can you do for people in your predicament or position listening to these type of interviews? What can you do that other people can't do? I would say, uh, you know, that there's a lot to that question, but I, I would say what I can do for these kind of interviews is, is always be there for others. I would say I haven't always had a support system with me. I've, I've had a support system, so don't, you know, don't take me wrong, but a support system that can really sometimes be there for me in, in ways that I want. And so I want to kind of pay it forward. So I always, you know, let people know that, you know, when they listen to these interviews or listen to me public speaking, that I'm always there for them. They can always reach out for me and I can give them advice in ways that I've overcome some of my struggles. And so that's kind of what I really, you know, like, like to do. That's what I can offer people is, you know, a listening ear, uh, someone that will not always try to fix their issues, but, you know, be there just to listen to them. I've always been a good listener. And so that's kind of one aspect that I always like to show people too, that I'll, I'll be there to listen to people if they want to reach out and they can always reach out and I'll, you know, love to talk to them and share my experiences. With that in mind, where can people get in touch with you for more information or just to talk? Say the best way for people to get in touch with me is just through my website. It's theblindascent.com. All my social media on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram is the same as well. You can always message me through there. And I know the woman that works with me, Beatrice Davis, is on my social media or on my website as well. So she's always, you know, looking out for me and, and helping people get in touch with me as well. So I'd say just go to my website, The Blind Ascent, and feel free to reach me through there. And I'd be glad to, you know, get in contact with anyone that is wanting to learn more about me or just to talk. Sean, I want to thank you for the time you spent with us sharing your life's experience. And we hope nothing but success and have a good day. Great.